Welcome to the arena, where sometimes the hardest part is showing up. My name is Linda McLaughlin. Thank you for being here. When I was looking for someone for my Remembrance Day episode, I came across a friend's father who celebrated his 99th birthday this year. I wanted to share his story as he has seen so much of the past century and has lived through so many major historical events. How does this time of COVID compare? And what helps you carry on through these trying times? Thank you for listening. This is episode 10. Mr. Goal, I'm so delighted to meet you. 99 years young. You're looking great. <laughs> well, everybody tells me how lucky I am to be. How do well I am at this age? Yeah, you've seen a lot in your life. But you know, I had a couple of falls. Still weak and, and uh, you know, I'm sleeping a lot. Good. Well, you earned it. You worked hard all your life. <laughs> so I get up and walk around quite a bit. And I'm not complaining. Good, good. I'm well looked after, I can tell you. Yeah, that's good. The people in the condo here that know me think I'm pretty spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> you got quite a big family. Three daughters in town, plus the grandkids. I'm pretty well looked after. How many grandkids do you have? And four in town here. But in total, how many do you have? Seven. Seven, my goodness. One's in Ottawa, and two are in Whitehorse, and four here. Wow. I read your story, and you've lived quite the life. I've had a good life, I think. Yep. Had a good life, and we did a lot of things together. So, I don't know. No, I'm not complaining. I have a little introduction for you, and you tell me if I've missed anything. It's hard to pack your whole life into one introduction, but here goes. Ron Goal is 99 years young as of August 4th, 2020. He's a son, father, grandfather, and World War II veteran. He wanted to join the Air Force to become a pilot, but because of his poor eyesight, He became a radar mechanic and later a radar operator. Following the war, he held various jobs, finally becoming a teacher and then vice principal and principal before he retired. Various work and training opportunities allowed him to visit or live in most provinces and territories in Canada. He's lived through many of the major historical events we can think of over the last century. And now during the pandemic, he's had heart surgery, but still lives in his condo under the watchful eye of his children and grandchildren. I am delighted to speak to him today about his life and thoughts about what we're currently living through. Welcome, Mr. Goal. I'm so pleased to meet you. It's nice to meet you too. My father was the kind of person who could walk into a gas station and figure out the six degrees of separation between him and just about anybody. And I realized in reading your story that you, at one point, traveled to northern Alberta, where my family is from. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So at some point, you probably met my father. <laughs> oh, oh, maybe. <laughs> to the Peace River Desert. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I was born in Peace River, actually. Oh, were you? Yeah. Yeah. My family lives in and around uh, McLennan and High Prairie, and uh, quite a few of them are now in Grand Prairie. So okay, I'm sure that- at some point... Hi, Perry. Yeah. Near where I worked. Yes. I worked there for years. Yeah. Yeah. I knew Hi, Perry pretty well. That's uh, 
just amazing. Just amazing. Quite a remarkable memory. Your daughter transcribed this story when you were 90 years old. And I mean, I can't remember what I did last week. Never mind remembering (laughs) the names and events of my life 90 years ago. It's just incredible. What do you attribute your incredible memory to? Everything in moderation. And I guess the growing up, uh, I had a tough time. So Hmm. it probably made me a little stronger than most people. I don't know. Tell us a little bit about those times. You grew up at a very difficult time. What was it like for you as a young person? Well, uh, you know, in the uh, Depression, I grew up in a small town, Mm -hmm. and my father was a grain buyer. And then he lost his job and moved to another small town when I was five years old. So I grew up mostly in this small town of Boiseville in southwestern Manitoba. And he didn't have work, so we had no money coming in. He was an American, so he had to become a Canadian citizen to get relief. Mm. And then after a, a while, in 39, when the war broke out, I was working for a, a farmer, and then I went to Winnipeg and got a job in Winnipeg for a couple of years and then joined the Air Force. But, but I ended up being a, a repeater attendant, which there was a, a telephone line from the States to Alaska, and every 50 miles there was a booster station. I was the operator of the booster station. And you wanted to become a pilot, is that right, during the war? Well, Everybody wanted to become a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> that was the plum job, was it? And the war was just going to be a, a few months long anyway, because we knew that we could do it, speak Germany with no trouble at all. We were pretty confident. Yep. Yeah. Everybody knew that. Yeah. Hmm. And you lost your brother at that time. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, he was on a raid in, in France when... Coming back, something must have happened, and he went down on the English Channel. I'm sorry to hear that. But I suppose pretty much everybody lost somebody or knew somebody who would... I would say over half the class in my grade 12 never came back. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot of good friends never never made it back. After the war... You spent some time building your life. You met your wife. Marjorie. 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 And built a life, had some beautiful children and lived in various places, did many things. You became a teacher and a principal. What was a really pivotal moment in your life? Well, I'm not really sure. I think there was more than one. Uh, One of them was when I was walking down the streets in Toronto and... uh, I ran into my sergeant, and he wanted to know how I was and what I was doing. And when I told him, he said, I could do a lot better than that. So I think that was a pinnacle. And what did that lead to? That led, you know, the radio stations that go, the transmission stations that run from uh, Windsor up to Quebec. Okay. I had to, I went inspecting the uh, physical parts of that, of those stations, not the electrical part, but the physical part, like how it was standing and what the road was like. And my Marge and I traveled quite a few places in Quebec mm. and uh, up in northern Manitoba too. 
So I've done a few jobs. Yes, you have. And you've lived many different places. You lived lived in most parts of Canada or or at least traveled there at some point. Yeah, I enjoyed every place I lived to. It sounds like you were what we would call resilient now in that you learned how to make friends easily. You learned how to pick up and move and make the best of any situation. Most of the time, we were, our friends were in the same position we were, you know. Mm. Just got married and just bought a house and had a small family and didn't have much money and yeah. We were pretty well on the scene. Yeah. So even when I started to teach at, at 2600 a year, that was a lot of money in those days. Mm-hmm. I saw a letter where you bought a house for $13,900 in 1955. The first house I bought was in Scarborough, Ontario. And I think we paid, uh, I think we paid $5,000 for that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I wonder what that house is worth now. About 400000 Yeah, I would think so. It's in, a nice, it's, in, it's in a nice area, I can tell you. Add, add a few zeros to the end of the 5000 I would think. <laughs> my goodness. When you think about what's happening right now with the pandemic... Pretty awful. You see, it doesn't affect me very much, but my grandkids, who yes. should be going to university... They're not. One of them has two jobs when she, she should be down in the States going to university. Mm. And just make, I think it's too bad. And how does it compare when you think about the major tragedies, the major world events that you've seen in your life? How does it compare to having gone through the war, for example? Well, this is far worse than that was. Mm. The war was bad enough because there was a lot of things we didn't have and Gee, this is oh so much worse. In what way do you think it's worse? Well, during the war, we could travel around, for example. So we can't, so that's one way. Mm-hmm. And we could get together with other people, mm. and that, we can't do that now. So those are the two major things that are tough down that we didn't have in those days. I guess the ability to visit your neighbors and see family is pretty important when you're going through a major yeah. catastrophe. Yeah. yeah. So the reason I'm, I'm talking to you today is, and what I'm interested in sharing with people is how people live through major life events and show up courageously. How do they come through those major life events and come out the other side, hopefully having grown and learned from that experience. Is there anything that's happened in your life that taught you how to be resilient or that helped you gain some perspective? I think the best thing I learned was when I was working for somebody in the Air Force, they said, never volunteer. And that was really bad. I found out in civilian life, volunteer, the very opposite to what I learned in the Air Force. And when I learned to volunteer, things got better. And how did volunteering teach you that? Well, when I was a vice principal, I used to do more work than I was expected to do as a vice principal. Mm -hmm. And when I was a teacher, I was doing more things with the kids than I really had to do. I think I learned a good lesson that way. What did that give you? 
There were more promotions. That's why I became a principal was because they knew that they appreciated what I did. And I knew that when I got to be a principal, I would, well, I'd try to be a good principal. Mm. And I think a lot of people thought I was, but not everybody. <laughs> yes, I suppose everybody has their right to their opinion, eh? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And what about helping those young people? What else did that give you? Well, the, the nice thing about helping young people was the ones that were really bad and trying to do something with them. And they realized that some of them turned out really well. It was nice to see them grow up and become really well. It sounds like you helped turn their lives around a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for this. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to speak to me and share your thoughts. Really appreciate Vicki, your daughter, taking care of putting this together. So it's been a real pleasure meeting you and, and having a conversation with you. Okay, nice to meet you too. All right, you take care. Thank you. Goodbye. When Ron celebrated his 99th birthday this past August, his daughters wanted him to receive 99 birthday cards. Well, he received 191 from friends, family, and his many past students and colleagues. They celebrated his everything-in-moderation approach to life, his love of water skiing, going to a little horse racing, and his love and support of the people in his life. Ron's beloved wife, Marjorie, sat next to him in her favorite red chair before she passed away four years ago. Recently, he said he might like to meet some nice lady to fill that red chair. He's got a new ticker, a winning smile, and a whole lot of optimism. He's quite the catch. Good luck, Mr. Goal. Thank you for listening. I look forward to sharing my next guest's story of being a successful commercial litigator from a prominent family. She was also a high-functioning alcoholic for decades. We'll talk about how she contributes to the world to sustain her sobriety. Until next time, my name is Linda McLaughlin in The Arena.